Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the B-Side Podcast. For this first month of 2023, we're devoting our weekly episodes to the topics of our Mercy and Justice Month, and specifically our focus on fatherlessness and foster care. Each week, we'll have a special guest join us to discuss our weekly sermon focus, and we'll devote the final minutes of our episode each week to answering any questions from our community. So enjoy our conversation with our guests and sending questions as you have them. We'll now move to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Liberty B-Side podcast. I'm Steve King. Alongside me is Greg Kabakshian, and Sandy Ziola is joining us on the podcast this week. Sandy, thanks for joining us on the Liberty B-Side podcast. Thank you for asking me and being interested yeah. in adoption. We are. We're very interested to have you be here and um, grateful you are. And so as our intro talked about and as our listeners um, know here in our community, we're spending the month of January focusing on Mercy and Justice Initiative, specifically around fatherlessness and foster care and adoption. Um, and so we're really excited to have you in today uh, to share some of your story. You've been here at Liberty for 10 years, yeah, I think I about 10 so. years, yes. right, mm-hmm. uh, with your husband, Steve. Um, and you've been serving as deacons for more than four years, right. um, the two of you. So um, I know a lot of people in our community uh, know who you are. You know a lot of people in our community. Uh, grateful to have you share more of your story today, even for those of us that know it, um, and maybe especially for those that don't know enough of the story, and we'll hear some of these things for the first time today, um, certainly relevant um, in in this month of mercy and justice focus for us, uh, but really always relevant to our community as we seek to love and encourage each other, know each other at a deep level. So something, um, Sandy, that people may not know um, about you and Steve, unless they've had the privilege of knowing you maybe closely over the last couple of years, is that uh, you're both adoptive parents. Yes, we um, are. And so that's why we're excited to have you be here, um, or part of why we're excited to have you be here to share about your story. You have two daughters. We have two daughters, yes. Right? Jennifer and Nicole. Jennifer and Nicole. Yeah, and they, um, who you were you adopted when they were young. Is yes, that right? Yes, Jennifer okay. was four months and Nicole was five months. Nicole was five months. Great. Yes. Give us some, a quick, before we jump into maybe some of the, you know, your experience there, just the timeline. Can you frame us? What year was that for each of them? Just like let someone picture what we're when we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer was born in 1986, and okay. we adopted her in 1987. Okay. Um, Nicole was born in 1993. Um, okay. And we adopted her in 1994. 94. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And they were how they were how old again? Jennifer was four months old yep. when she came to yep. us, and uh, Nicole was five months. Five months. So both these adoptions happened. I mean, there was like they were born toward the end of the year and adopted in different years, like early yes. on the next year. Yes, that just caught me. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I, I love I love facts. So that kind of just like stuck, stuck stood out to me when you said it. So, right. um, Sandy, can you share a little bit more about the adoption process? Maybe what led you and Steve at that time to consider that process and how you came to learn about the opportunity and what the initial steps were into that process for both of you? We were married um, for two, about two years and we moved to Massachusetts for Stephen's work. And in that time we were trying to um, conceive and have, have our own family and we were just having, I was having a lot of problems. And so we began to think about 
what would we do if we could not have naturally born children? And I was seeing um, an OBGYN and what were we going to do and so on and so forth. And um, eventually we came to the point where it was obvious that I could not have, mm -hmm. couldn't bear children. And so we had been praying all through the procedures that I was going through and so forth about what should we do. And we started to look into an adoption um, possibilities in the New England area and we hooked up with Bethany services mm -hmm. and it was just it's an interesting process because you have to bear yourself to the social worker I mean they'd like to know everything there is to know about you where you live how much you make you know your, your family life and all kinds of things they come out and they do a um, evaluation of your home and so mm -hmm. at first it's like I don't even know this lady, but she's now become this part of my life. Sure. And I have to share all these things with her. And um, finances. And um, people would say things like, don't you feel strange? You're going to have to buy this baby. And I think, well, no, we're not buying the baby. You have expenses when you go to the hospital. And you bring a child home, too. So it's not. People have different ideas. And maybe 30, 35 years ago, was still kind of new to mm -hmm. a lot of people to adopt. So it kind of comes as a, I have to bear myself to this person who's my social worker in order for them to feel mm -hmm. comfortable. And after being with them for a while, um, we began to understand the necessity of that and the rules. Each state has the rules for adoptive parents mm -hmm. and, you know, that type of thing. So they're not placing children into homes that maybe cannot care for them. Yeah. So that was it. And then there's the whole waiting period and, um, when they set you up, the first thing they tell you is, do not go home and make a nursery. Because every time you walk past that nursery, you're going to say, oh, when is our baby going to come? And if it's a long wait, you have all this emotional stuff going on inside you. So we didn't do anything about preparing too much because we really didn't know sure. um, when the children would come. And boy, girl, we had no idea as to you know what it would be and so forth, what the child would be. So... There is that kind of thing, too, like how much do you do, how much do you don't do? How many people do you tell that you're in the process so that, you know, you don't want people asking you all the time, oh, when's the baby coming? Because you really don't know. Mm -hmm. You have no, no concept at all um, as to when you're going to hear the word. So that's, sure. it, it's, a lot, um, it's a lot on you, and it can become very consuming yeah. as to what you're doing and when will things happen. And, so, and I think it helps Steve and I grow closer together, too, because... We both had to help one another yeah. be able to deal with this waiting sure. process. So it yeah. was a growing time for us. And then just having moved and a lot of things are going on in our life at that time. So it was very, I, just we look back on it and say it was God's timing for yeah. us in that, that whole process. Yeah, and a, and a vulnerable process. So as you're speaking, so, many, so much of what you're saying is just in this area of transparency and vulnerability mm -hmm. and, and maybe exposure, feeling exposed in many, many ways. And even the vulnerability of um, not having children and then seeking to adopt and yeah, having new friends or new acquaintances just become your closest yes. um, people around you, helping you in this process. Mm -hmm. um, well, maybe speak to where that impacted you and Steve, and maybe certainly from your own perspective, primarily, on an emotional and a spiritual level, um, what were what were some of the impacts of that process for you? Well, I tend to be more emotional than Stephen anyway. Okay. I don't know if that's my feminine makeup or just okay. me as a person. Yeah. Um, I was getting tired of going to baby showers 
you know, all my friends were having babies and one baby shower after another. So eventually I stopped going. I just would send the gift. So that was very emotional um, for me to have to deal with other women having babies sure. and being excited for them and happy for them and, and being truly meaning that. So I had um, some difficulties with that, but our um, social worker was very good. Um, she really understood having worked with a lot of people the emotional up and down so she gave us books to read and she would um no texting back then she would write us letters or call and just say i'm thinking about you and mm -hmm. you know how can i pray for you and making suggestions like don't set up a nursery and things like that so it was um probably more of an emotional ride for me although Stephen would say it was an emotional time i think for him as well sure um wanting to be a dad wanting to add kids to our family you know, grandparents who wanted to be grandparents, our parents wanted to be grandparents. So um, that was probably, for me, the hardest thing was, was the waiting and ha being happy for those who were able to have their own natural children. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen had, had work, and so he was busy with other things that I think kind of helped him and um, in that area. And listening to Greg speaking on Sunday about being adopted, we both really felt that it showed that God loves us and adopts us and chose us. And we felt that God chose our two daughters for us mm. specifically. Sure. You know, he had a plan. Those two little girls needed a home. He felt that we were the parents. We could care for them and love them and bring them up to know the Lord. And so you have a different, you have more of a father thought of God, I think, when you go through the process of adoption because you see what it means to have that child, you know, given to you and you're going to raise it as God having chosen me from yep. the beginning of time sure. and knowing my name and things like that. Yeah. So um, that has been kind of my relationship. I think with God, it's more of a father um, figure for me and um, seeing that he loved us enough to choose us from the beginning of time and know that he chose those two little girls yeah. and mm -hmm. brought them into our life. Yeah. Um, in that, in that process of waiting, you mentioned you can be waiting, you know, mm -hmm. to, to the extent of, you know, it being a best practice, don't build a nursery, right? Because right. you, you could be waiting for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Do you remember um, how you were praying to God during those times um, in the midst of waiting, mm -hmm. being joyful for what you would hope would come to fruition and yet also um, not seeing maybe answered prayer mm -hmm. in a timeline you'd expect? Yes. And also the adoption agency that we went with they had a policy at that time that you had to wait three years before you could apply for a second child okay because they had so many families that wanted a first child mm -hmm. so it was six years before nicole actually came in and joined our family so we sort of had two waiting periods first for for jennifer and then um to wait that extra time mm -hmm. for for nicole sure. to to come into into our family um Waiting is not easy for me. I'm not always a very patient person. So, you know, you try not to think about it every day. Well, will today be the day that we'll get the call? And you don't know. You, we got a call and they said, we have a little girl we'd like you to come in and see. We had no idea. So we had to stop what we were doing and go in and, and see Jennifer. And of course yeah. we said yes. And then the same thing with Nicole six years later. It's the same thing. You know, we knew that they're just going to call you and say, we have a child we'd like you to come in and see. So sure. you drop everything and you go in. Um, prayer and scripture reading became important to me during those times because it was the kind of the foundation for me to keep going, just waiting 
you know, for, for a child to come and not knowing what that would be like in our experience. And then, you know, thinking, I don't have nine months to prepare myself where a pregnant mom has that time to, you know, talk to the child and think about the child and yeah. what are we going to do with the child and what names we couldn't even really think of names because we didn't know too much. And we, again, that thought of, do we want to pick a name before we see the baby? You know, so it's a lot of waiting and indecision on our part because we just didn't have a lot of say in yeah. the timing and so forth. As you like, so you've lived through that waiting. Mm -hmm. If you could say one thing to yourself when you were in that waiting, now having gone through it, or even like to somebody else who might be listening to this podcast who is in that time, what would you say to someone in that period of waiting? I think to remember that God is faithful and that he will fulfill the plan he has for you in his timing. And so when you're waiting and you're anxious, it's hard to think that God is working. But God is working. Both those girls were born at just the right time, in just the right place for us to be able to adopt them. And just to remember that God is working and he is faithful to his plan, even if we don't know where the plan is going. Mm -hmm. How would you, uh, you know, we had Bear Foundation in yesterday as a, a special guest and a speaker. Um, and so our, our community is probably thinking about opportunities to adopt and to foster care. Um, and so even to, to, to embrace an experience that you've gone through as, as you would counsel or coach or encourage people that are thinking about that now, or just think of any ways to help um, those families, what would you say to them? What would you say are the, the reasons why they should be considering either adopting or being a foster care parent or, or helping families that are doing those things? Both of our girls um, went to a foster home before they came to us. So Jennifer lived in a foster home for four months and Nicole the five. And those families played such an important role in their maturity and development. I didn't have the first four months or the first five months with the girls, but the foster families did. And so they set up the routine and they knew what the girls could and couldn't do and what their sleeping mm -hmm. patterns were and working with them on developing. It wasn't like we just put them in a bed and they stayed there until somebody decided to come and get them. I mean, the, both of these families um, put a lot into the girls. Um, I got a letter from both of the foster moms telling me, well, you know, Jennifer can't tolerate this kind of formula. She can tolerate, you know, just helpful things to me yeah. that I would have had to experience on my own, giving her whatever formula we chose and so forth. So. That was so important for Steve and I to know that they were cared for and these people really loved them and they wrote about how the girls, uh, both of them grew up, were in homes that had kiddos and dogs and so there was a lot of noise, a lot of, and then they come to our house and there's Steve and I and a cat. So it was kind of nice to know that what they were coming from because Jennifer cried the first day we brought her home all day. It just broke my heart mm -hmm. because it was such an adjustment. She was used to living in this home. They, we put her in the car seat and we drove her home and she didn't. Know what was going on? Where was her sure. people? Where yeah. was the noise? So, but to know that they cared enough for her to, you know, help her adjust to the age that she was and then to be able to write to me and tell me, here are the things that, that might be helpful for you to know. So mm -hmm. they were a big influence in the girls, I think in both the girls' life and in their adjustments. They took them to the doctor regularly and we had a doctor's report. So it was very, it was very good for us to know these things because we didn't have those times you know, we were given these 
little ones and it's like, okay, you can take them home now, but here's a list of what they can do and what they like to eat and what they think. So they're very important. So yeah. I think fostering is very important um, in, the, in the lives of little ones to give them a good start and to know love and to know um, companionship in, mm-hmm. in that type. And so um, I think that's really a good thing. And then for older children, they also need parents that are going to, or foster parents are going to give them discipline and are going to um, make sure that they get their shots and they get to the doctors and things like that, that uh, kiddos need that parents would normally do, but in this case, the parents are unable to do it. So I think fostering is really important in that way too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The impact that is being made on a child and the impact that we make on people, any, any one of us on any given day, um, can't be overlooked. And so foster care, great example in those first four months or in the four months of a, a child who's seven or a child who's 13, mm-hmm. like there's the impact that Christian families get to make That's right. on individuals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sandy, if you're willing to share this, um, as you look back on this whole experience, what would you say like one of the hardest things for you was and then also what what do you think was like one of the most joyful parts of it one of the hardest things probably for me was um steve and i decided when the girls came that we would talk to them about being adopted Hmm. and we wanted to do it um at an age where they could understand what that meant and we um, felt that it was important that we do that so that they would never hear from somebody else, mm-hmm. a grandparent or a teacher or somebody who knew, oh, well, you know, Jennifer, she's different. She's adopted. She has no idea what that means. So, you know, you go back and forth. I am her mother, but I'm, I'm not her birth mother, but I want her to know that there was another woman involved in her life. So how do I explain that to her so she, both girls could understand that, and I'm not crying, and I'm all upset that this is a, a good thing. So we had some resources that were recommended to us, books that we could read to the girls. And um, one in particular was about a, um, a mommy bird who couldn't care for her little bird. So she took the bird to this wise owl, and he explained to the little one, you know, your mommy is trying so hard, but she cannot really um, meet your needs. But I know of another bird family over here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so... We, you had books to them. We just tried to talk to them. And that was, at first, very hard for me to have to say, you have another mother. Sure. And then um, when they got older, we um, said, if you girls ever want, when they turned 18, if you ever want to check into your birth mom or your birth dad, we would be happy to help you do it. And that was something for me to be able to say, yes, I would be happy to help you do that if that's something that you want to do. So that was kind of hard for me to have to but we wanted to do that we wanted to do it in a loving peaceful way so they would understand it was not a bad thing and you want to get away from the thought of your mother gave you away and we told them your mother placed you with bethany and then bethany placed you with us so there's Mm. not this giving up um kind of thought is this is what your mother decided was best for you Mm -hmm. and good for her so just working through that and trying to figure out a, a really good way to explain that and then um, joy is just ha- having having them both. Mm-hmm. It's just been such a joy. And a joy for me to be able to say, I'm a mother. You know, God has granted me that desire of my heart that I could mother these two little girls and watch them grow up and 
both of them are doing fairly well in their lives and they're, they're mature young women that are um, facing life. And so that would be my, my joy mm-hmm. is to have been able to have a part in their life to where they are now. Yeah. If you could speak to um, people in our community that are thinking about adopting or being foster care parents, where, where are some of the questions that they should really be sorting through themselves to, to know whether or not they should engage these opportunities? It is a full-time commitment, when you, like any parenting experience, but to realize that, and maybe even more so with foster care, is that, um, that these children may only be with me for a short time. Not all fostering relationships turn into adoption. So I would, I would think just being able to look at that little one and say, I'm going to help him for the period of time that he is in my home mm-hmm. and, and just do whatever that you can to be able to give him the love or she, the love that they need for the time that they are in your home. Um, the, you have to think about the expense. If you already have an established family and you bring in one or two more children, that's an increase in your um, financial burden as a family. How, how does that, how is that going to affect you? Mm-hmm. Um, Steve and I had to deal with that because it was just the two of us for a number of years before, you know, the girls came in for families that children came later in life, the same thing. All of a sudden it's like, oh, well, maybe we can't go out to dinner because we need diapers and we need that, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And also I think when you have children and you bring other children in, how will your children feel? And I know that Bethany used to have programs where they would get adoptive families together for picnics and things like that, and you could talk. And I can remember a couple of people said their children really struggled mm. when they brought in adoptive kids. It's like, well, why do we need more children? And how do they fit into the family? We didn't have to deal with that too much because we didn't have children previous to that. But I know that that was something that they had to work through with their kiddos, that this is something we feel God is having. So when you bring other children into an established home, that can be... Um, so you have to work through all of that as well. And then ad- adoption, um, you, you don't know your children's makeup. Hmm. You don't know their history as far as medical. My one daughter has some um, problems she's dealing with, and she said it, it would have been good to have known that, oh, in my natural family, we had these problems. Sure. Well, um, right now we don't know those things. So she's dealing with whatever comes up or I can say, oh, we have arthritis in my family because my mother and father have it and I have it. But she doesn't know always what to either grow, what to expect that way. So that's, sure. that's something you might have to deal with, with as your children grow, just trying to figure out what works for them and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Sandy, you spend time um, with Capital Area Pregnancy Center. I do. And so this is another kind of way in which you're caring and serving for uh, families, specifically uh, expecting mothers uh, mm-hmm. primarily. Um, tell us a bit more about the work that you're doing with CAP, for them as CAP, right? And, mm-hmm. and what your role is there with that organization. Uh, last week, Ginny talked about being an advocate. And that's, they're really the frontline workers. They're the gals that when the um, girl comes in for her appointment, they meet with them and they really deal very closely with them. And many of the advocates will often work with the girl all the way through her pregnancy. And that's exciting. And then they have pictures of the baby being born. Mm. I am a receptionist. Um, I greet the gals when they come in. I make them feel comfortable. I make sure all the paperwork is taken care of. I will um, answer the phones and set up the appointments and answer any questions that way. I help any way that 
I can with the advocates, you know, getting files, filing files, talking to the girls if the advocate isn't ready yet. I can go out and chat with them a little bit. Uh, that's kind of, I'm doing more of the office work, but I think that it is important too that you need somebody out yeah, front. Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, you need someone to make the appointments and that type of thing. So that's what I am doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, and that it's um it's an organization <clears throat> much like Bear, who we heard from yesterday, and other organizations mm-hmm. that we know we'll be hearing from others this month, that are really uh, combating, but also just entering into these areas of fatherlessness and foster care and adoption throughout our area. And so there's not just there's not just one path that someone should walk or can walk to address this and to really be um, to be loving for you know of people in need. Uh, there's many roads and there's many inroads that people can take yes. um, to address this issue and to care for young children and the unborn. And so CAP is another um, center that's doing that. How would you, what would you say to encourage someone if they were interested in exploring opportunities at Capital Area Pregnancy Center, much like you've spoken already about uh, foster uh, parenting, how can they learn more about CAP and the roles that are, exist there? The two basic ways, and it, it's geared more toward women volunteers because that's usually who comes in as the gals, um, is advocacy. And there is a wonderful training period that you go through, that Judy Klein goes through with the girls, the ladies, um, to really help them understand how they can engage the girls coming in and also understanding the different backgrounds and things like that. So that's that's really important. The advocates, um, they meet with the gals. They... Um, are in the ultrasound room with the nurse so that they follow through with that. They help them with a boutique. We have a boutique in the back which has maternity clothes and baby clothes and diapers and things like that. So she really works well and uh, with the gal and her needs. Uh, the other would be receptionist, which is what um, I am involved with. They can usually use gals. The shifts are two to four hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works out really well. You can usually volunteer that much time. They are the two basic areas at, at uh, CAPC that would um, be open for volunteers. But a lot of the women here at Liberty, after they've had little ones, have given me clothing, which is really good, which helps our boutique because we don't buy any um, clothing. So um, when the gals give me maternity clothes or baby clothes, that all goes to the center and that goes into our boutique. So if moms have clothing, um, um, pack and plays, toys, anything like that, all goes into the boutique and is very useful for us to meet the needs. Because some of the gals, that come in don't have anything. So what they can do is for, we basically meet with them for the first 12 months of the baby's life. And they can come in once a month and get clothing and needs like that. And once the child hits a year, we kind of feel like, okay, we have helped you get over that the hump of the first year. And then we also offer bright course classes, which is everything from now you're pregnant to what to expect when the baby comes to what to do if your baby doesn't sleep very well. Mm-hmm. So that we can offer those type of classes as well, which I think has really been um, a good thing. Sure. It helps a lot of the women who really don't have anybody in the area, perhaps, uh, what to expect. And so you can meet with the advocate. Um, you can do them online. That's something that we can offer as well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of great opportunities. Uh, for people in our community to, to volunteer there, participate there, mm-hmm. work there, and just, just work through the organizations that are set up and have structures in place to do this great work. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sandy, thanks for joining us today, sharing the story. I'd encourage 
Um, anyone who's listening to this that would have more uh, questions um, about Sandy and Steve's story to reach out to them. I, I trust Sandy would be happy to answer questions happy. and yeah. uh, talk with you further. Um, so again, a great opportunity for us to, to hear more of this story, uh, to grow in a love and a care for each other. Uh, and there are these stories that exist in our community. I think the more that we uh, open up and share with each other, the more that we find that our community is filled with so many experiences that can be challenging and encouraging to us and can help us um, see uh, the love that God has and the way he's working. You said before, um, trust, you know, but you would encourage someone to trust that God is working. One of the ways that we can see God working is to actually see God working in the lives of others. Right. And it reminds us that he's working in our, our life too, mm-hmm. in our lives as for well. Sure. So um, thank you, Sandy, for sharing today. Uh, we're grateful for your time and for your story. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Greg, thanks for preaching yesterday. Yes. Um, love the, love the six points. Um, I know I asked you to stop at five, but you went to six. If anyone listened to the story, uh, sermon, you get that inside joke. But um, if you did not listen to the sermon yesterday, go back and listen to it. Great sermon yesterday by Greg um, on the on, on adoption and how we are adopted uh, sons and daughters of, of God and his family. So thank you all for listening today and enjoy the rest of the week. We will see you soon, certainly next Sunday for worship. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.